You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Yeah, we went to visit friends in Nailsworth, and it's very, very beautiful. Um, I'm allergic to the air. It was fully like Lisa in that episode uh, where Homer starts working for Scorpio. It was yeah. like when the wind blew, I'd be like, oh, my eyes. <laughs> like, it was just, it was <laughs> oh, <laughs> pollen. Oh, what is this? I was like literally taking damage when the wind blew. It was awful. Uh, mm-hmm. so, but it, and I was like, but on the plus side, there was like wild garlic everywhere. So who's to say, mm-hmm. you know, what's right or wrong? But uh, it's very, very yeah. gorgeous and quiet. You, know? you were over there near Wales. Yeah. Like it's very, very close to the marches of Wales. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So cider country. They say there are over there. It's very funny. Uh, I, I love a West Country accent. And they're mm. the only ones that I can kind of reliably do since they see there are, say there are. So they'll be like, mm. oh, I've got some good cider. It'll be a fiver. And you're like, <laughs> you sound like a pirate. It's great. That's awesome. This is fucking amazing. So uh, yeah. great part of the country. Really gorgeous. A couple of my friends moved over there a couple years ago because um, they were just kind of tired of big city living. So we we're like, well, mm-hmm. you know, we get all this time off for Easter anyway. Just smack another day, a couple days on and go do something different. But, uh, you know, as I say, um, the air is hostile to me. So <laughs> glad to be back in London inhaling exhaust. I was like, what is this, plants? Ow, this hurts. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Aging is such a fucking scam, man. I didn't used to experience any of this shit in my 20s. I'll tell you that much. So, yeah. Just like w- woke up one day in my 30s and I was like, ooh, my eyes hurt. Is that air? Oh. Uh, oh this is awful. Fucking hell, man. I know that it's, you know, it's a myth about dying at 32 in the Middle Ages, but also maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah. I'm almost uh, getting to Jesus's age. It's time to go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, it's funny. Like, just, um, it, it, it's funny, though, too, because it's just like, you feel like shit, but not sick. So it's sort of like, you still want, like, I still wanted to go hiking and stuff. It just hurt mm-hmm. to do it. That's all. Like, great. Cool. <laughs> Very nice. And Blair was playing the, oh, maybe we'll move over here game. And I was like, I'm going to be real with you, homie. I'm not moving to this place. I am in pain. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll move over. No, 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 no. no. Mm -mm. But it's like, it's all fun and games for a vacation. But it's like the minute you want like Asian groceries. It's like, like, I mean, it's it's real white people country over there. You know, (laughs) I'll say that. So it's a. When you do get out to the countryside here, it can get pretty white pretty quickly. Uh, is all so. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure it's a you know it's a majority white place. I'm mm-hmm. sure. It gets well, you forget white. you forget about it in London, right? Because in London, everybody's here, so you're just like, oh yeah, this yeah. is, and then you're like, oh, but it's like one of the racist things that uh, people will say to you in other towns. They'll be like. Well, you know, I'm not racist, but, and you're like, but you're going to be. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, London doesn't really count as real England. And I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. That's, what, that's why I like it. Thanks. Thank you. 
I mean, I, yeah, like all that stuff. Yeah, like oh, it's not real. Whatever. It's like uh, I don't know, man. Looks I mean, like I it's inside the eyes, lines. So uh... you wouldn't. Uh, I mean, like you know, mm. the rest. Uh, the rest of you wouldn't. Uh, you know, probably have a bit <laughs> of an issue. Uh, given uh, how nothing else occurs, nothing else of consequence, uh, at least uh, globally speaking, occurs outside yeah. of the city. So, like honestly, oddly, you know. it, it, it's one of those interesting things because so there's this real here um, antipathy towards uh, London in a lot of cases. So obviously, yeah. people, obviously, people get tired of hearing about it, right? Because it's like it's yeah. the only place where there's like any jobs or anything. So basically, young people are kind of like forced at a barrel of a gun to move here, whether they want to or yeah. not, because you want a job, you got to move here. Um, and people are tired of hearing about it. And they're tired of the fact that like the rest of the country has basically been like neglected and underfunded for years upon years, like especially the north. So if you're mm-hmm. in London, and you complain about public transport, for example, they're like, please, i'm dying there are no buses you know and and it's like and that's legit that's legit but on the other hand it's also not our fault and also still we should be able to complain about how actually we still need more public transport without people like taking it as a direct insult but i mean Mm -hmm. on the other hand you gotta understand like london is london is like what if you combined new york la and washington dc into one place Mm -hmm. and so it's just like yeah fuck the rest of the country i guess because this is where everything happens so you know a lot of people not huge fans and and i get it i get it right yeah on the other hand i think people who live in new york city should be forced to um live somewhere else in the country oh my okay (laughs) uh for like at least a week maybe two maybe a month they should just be forced to do it and like they can't like, you know, you can't go back to New York during that time. You just like you just have to live where mm. you are and, you know, live your life. You do your job remote, it's fine, but like you just have to and then and then and then you can go back. Yeah. But you- <laughs> you're also forbidden from talking about only in New York. I don't Baby. give a shit, man. I do not give a fuck. I've been to New York City. I understand why people like it. That's cool. Not my uh, little, little too fast pace for me. That's mm. fine. Everybody's got their own thing. But uh, like, if I have to like hear like one more thing about, oh, you don't understand. You don't live in New York. Oh, fuck yourself, man. Like, just, come on. I feel you like aren't a di- you aren't a different species. Get out of here. And I feel like that is such a. So this is like, she's going on her New York rant. Everybody, my thing about New York is that I feel like it's really inward looking. Like, they're so convinced mm-hmm. that they are, like, the greatest city in the world and that they are the only place where anything interesting is happening that, mm-hmm. they like, they, they do that whole only in New York thing. And you're like, sir, that's a corner store. You know, like, yeah. the whole thing about bodegas, it's like, that's not, yeah. It, what like, what are you talking about? And one of the things that's good about London. Dog, I'm it, glad you got, like, cat. Like, I'm glad you got cats in that bodega. But you know what I don't want on my food? <laughs> and I have a cat. I don't so, want cat hair. It was my cat hair. That's food. fine. Yeah. 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 Like the thing is about London that is good is that it is actually quite outward looking. Like it considers mm-hmm. itself to be like on par with New York and like, you know, mm-hmm. Paris and, you know, in, you know, like we're in conversation with these other places and we're sort of like looking at, at other places um, and thinking about what that means for us and where, do, what does it mean for us? Like in the mm-hmm. ranking of world cities, for example, and mm-hmm. New York is like, nope. 
This is it. <laughs> Number one with a bullet, yeah, bitch. And, and, and so as a result, I'm like, well, like this is it's just it, it strikes me as quite provincial way of thinking about things. They're sitting on. They're like, we got the world reserve currency, motherfuckers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess you do. Um, it's fine. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what I would say about New York is that it's fine. You know, yeah. like it just it just doesn't really do it for me. Uh, I don't know. I had already lived in Chicago for quite some time. I'd already lived in Chicago and then I'd already lived in Tokyo before I ever went yeah. to New York. And then I got there and I was like, it's pretty big, I guess. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. People just, in Chicago are funny, too, to me. Like, it, oh, like, yeah, they are. They are. Like, for sure. Uh, like everybody's just talking about like, oh, this is like, uh, you know, like people who live like in the suburbs don't know Chicago or whatever. I'm like, I've been to Chicago like four times. I like Chicago. Mm. Like you don't have to like, (laughs) you're not special because like, 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 oh, you don't, you know, people in the suburbs, like dog. It's like there aren't walls around there aren't walls around the city limits. I've been there. I understand that you like it better than the suburbs. I would too, but it's not like you guys don't have like a special inborn knowledge because you live <laughs> like I don't know because you because you live because you live. My uh, dad's gonna hear near Wrigley Field or whatever the fuck it is. Like okay, man, cool. Like, yeah, my dad's my dad's from the east side in Chicago, yeah. and he's gonna get really pissed off hearing this, and I'm gonna have to, to hear be about clear. It. <laughs> I love Chicago dogs, and I love Chicago right. deep dish pizza. That's right. I, I, that's right. People say it's pie. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. It's I don't delicious care. pie. I don't care. Thank like, you, Luke. Yeah. I get so <laughs> fucking delicious. wound up about this. People are like, "Oh, that's not real pizza." Oh, shut your face. How about that? But how just, about that? But just to sacralize it a little bit. I do put ketchup on the Chicago dog, and I'm like, ah, ha, ha, look at it, motherfuckers. Whoa. Look. Whoa. The you podcast is breaking I like up. ketchup on my hot dog. No. Mm. Boo. Boo, this I guy, mean, boo. Yeah, and everybody's going to be like, listen to this hick. And I'm like, that's fine. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it is. It, I can't, you know. Okay, this is I can't help it. I don't want to live. I don't want to live in the Florida panhandle. Like, you know. But. Oh God, I love a Chicago dog. It's like, oh, ugh, okay. I mean, I miss, I miss deep dish pizza. I miss Chicago dogs so much. Um, mm-hmm. I just have to like stare into the middle distance in a reverie. It's just like, it's, it, yeah. Is there oh. like a London type of pizza or is it just kind of like, no, like we, we stuff. mostly have like Italian pizza is, is most of the uh, thing. Okay. So it's like the, the major, like granted you, there is like Domino's and there, you know, and, <laughs> and, and places like that, that exist. Like I'm not, I'm not saying you can't get American pizza. Yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. but the great majority of pizza that you're going to be presented with is like uh Napoli style. So it's going to be like uh, individual okay. pizzas that, you and it's good like we, we're we've got like there is nothing in my fucking neighborhood other than pizza places it is like a joke at this juncture how many pizza places <laughs> there like there is within walking distance of my house i'm not joking like seven different pizza places and a new one just opened and i swear to god i was gonna fucking run. i'm like i just want i just want like a cheap and cheerful vietnamese or korean joint in my neighborhood that's all i'm asking mm-hmm. for and they're like yeah i'm afraid the best i can do is an ace pizza parlor <laughs> i'm like no <laughs> Stop that's wild because there are two, at least two pizza places within like a mile walking distance of me and i don't and uh i don't you know i don't live in the city center or anything so it's like like i so one of them i there's one that's sardinian and they're really mm. good i really like the sardinian one so the pizzas are a little bit larger and they're a little mm-hmm. more fully loaded 
Mm. But then, like, we've got, like, Napolitan and a couple... And then we've got, like, a couple of fast food joints, too. Like, we've got yeah. we got a place doing New York style, Ooh. you know, things like yeah. that, which, which I do like, so... Yeah, um, I love... I'm of the opinion that uh, it's really, really, really hard to fuck up bread sauce mm, cheese mm. and toppings like that's a hard thing to fuck up yeah yeah and i've never found like a type of pizza i don't like now there are oh, things yeah. i don't like on, on pizza, a pizza yeah exactly but like you know like <laughs> like you know people are like oh this sucks i'm like let's see it meets all the qualifications mm-hmm. uh it's deliciously cheesy it's mine <laughs> like you name it i'll smash it i'll eat that detroit style mm-hmm. pizza mm-hmm. Detroit I'll style eat. is my favorite. Fucking I love. I really like Detroit style. Um, you know, I'm from the West Coast, so personally, like, I love a California style. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's like, I, I like to be offered something ridiculous that's got a bunch of like uh, goat cheese and artichokes on it. When I go home to yeah. Seattle, I like a Pagliacci's, uh, Pagliacci's uh, Primo Verde. I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. and it's got like artichoke hearts and pesto and goat cheese on it. And I'll fuck that up. Mm. I will destroy that shit. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what I'm coming. Like I go, I'm like, I got to have Pagliacci's whenever I go home just so I can have that. So, you know, it's like, I, I will eat a West coast style pizza. I'll eat whatever the fuck. I don't, I don't care. You catch your girl out in like deepest, darkest Moravia ordering pizza. Like, don't, don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. It'll be fine. It's going to be pizza. Yeah. You're going to like it. I'll but, try it. Yeah. Mm. Like let's, yeah, let's, let's figure something out here. Like, uh, it's, um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, people are like, oh, this is the one I tried first. This is the one I like. Like, no. Okay. Like, I probably the first, I guarantee you the first piece I ever had was like Pizza Hut or some shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you just like. I got room in my heart for all pizzas, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I got, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's like, play, like a really cheap, like, uh, chain here called like Gumby's. It's usually in like college towns. Mm-hmm. And the pizza's not good like comparatively mm. it's not good or anything but like got you know it's got it's got all the yeah. ingredients you know it's not uh not gonna be my first or second or whatever choice but it's not, but you know i mean see i really quite like a uh, shit fast food pizza it's kind of like in yeah. it, you know it, everyone's got their kind of like comfort junk food mm-hmm. and mine is kind of like shit fast food pizza and my favorite here in london is this place called tops which is not i want to stress that it is not good uh but <laughs> you know it's the kind where like you know the crust is essentially fried yes and yeah. like you know and i really dig that like if you're just going if you, i'm just so hung over mm-hmm. that like i can't function i'm like yeah yeah that's what's up like that's what yeah. i'm i'm about that life yeah, uh, you know, so yeah, and like, yeah, people ask me like, you know, people like, oh, what's your favorite type of pizza or whatever? It's like we got to qualify like yeah. we're going out like mm. to like an actual pizza place. That's different. That's probably like Detroit style. But like I fucking love Pizza Hut. Like it's garbage. Just. Oh, yeah. Garbage. But I, I love it. Love it. I love it. Um, man. You know, like and, you know, it's like, OK, well, you know, then like there's like you know tiers of stuff you can get you know mm-hmm. like frozen pizzas and stuff like that and it's like the the frozen pizza isn't better or yeah. even close to as good as as you know no. like no. you know a going out place but like you know oh, there's a really it's bad good. brand here that it's i fucking love good. there's a really shit brand here which is called chicago town i want to stress how not <laughs> chicago style pizza it is but it's just like british people being like yeah chicago town whatever but they make like this shit frozen kind of like deep dish pizzas not like a proper pie you know but like a deep dish and oh my god when you're hungover smash a couple of those i will eat it 
Uh, sometimes, <laughs> if I'm really hungover for my breakfast, two of those, put some eggs on top. Fry some eggs, put them on top. There you go. Oh, You're having man. a great morning. Yes. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, oh mm. man. Pizza, delicious. Yep. Uh, all right. You want to do <laughs> We should probably do a show of how many people history. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to We're Not So Different, a podcast about how we've always been idiots. My name is Luke. I am an amateurish historian, and as always, I'm joined by Dr. Eleanor Yaniger, who is anything but. Today, we are going to be discussing the microcosm that is the human body, uh, as as a uh, opposed to the macrocosm of the universe. Yep. But uh, before we get there, we have a question from one of our patrons, uh, the Empress Maud Shep on my lawn. Top uh, name. I, Top name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have a question about everyone's favorite subject, building materials. I know thatching was common for roofing, but just how common? What were the regional variations? I have read French sources that take that talk about tile and shingled roofs, but never seen thatch mentioned. So is it an English thing? Also, when did chimneys come in and were old structures modified to accommodate them? Um, okay, so great question. And the answer is, like, it's more likely that it's English if you're thatching. Um, now, having said that, you can also find it oftentimes in the lowlands, and it's more common in places that are rich in reeds, right? So, um, and also, it has to basically be somewhere that's kind of cold and wet, because if you think about it, like, you're just not going to want in Italy or Spain or something like that, you are not going to want, like, a flammable bunch of stuff on your roof, because, <laughs> you know, like, it's got to, yeah. it, it's got to be, like, sufficiently wet and cool that you're not worried about it catching fire. Right. It's mm -hmm. like when you see older thatched roof here and, and, you know, you have to rethatch them that like, you know, every decade or so. I don't know exactly. Uh, but when you see the older ones, you know, they got a bunch of moss growing on them. And they're pretty dense, like they they get wet and kind of soggy, which is part of why they don't just catch on fucking fire. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so there are varying ways that you can thatch. You can thatch with hay. You can also thatch with reeds, as I say, and it, it can vary place to place. So, you know, like here in England, for example, it's more likely to have reed thatching if you're like over closer in like Cambridgeshire, places like the Fens, mm -hmm. where there where there are a lot of reeds to be had, right? Um, and elsewhere, you might find straw or other things like that. And I'm um, fucking love a thatched roof, mad for a thatched roof. So I am lose my mind every time I see one. Uh, when they got those like little sculptures of like a rooster or some shit out of straw, I, I lose my mind every mm -hmm. time. Love that shit, absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, but it is also just like equally normal to have tiling or shingles, you know, as as you say. Um, and it's more likely on the continent that you're going to see things like that. And it also just really depends on what building materials are available. So if you are someplace like, I don't know, the Black Forest, it's going to be more likely that you're going to be able to have something like um, wooden shingles on your roof. But again, if you're in the Mediterranean, then you're more likely to have like clay tiles because that's, you know, th those are the things that are around you. So there, there are major regional variations place to place on this one. Um, 
So yeah, it's that that's definitely the case. Um, in terms of altering structures to accommodate chimneys, yeah, you kind of had to. That sort of mm-hmm. thing, right? Because prior to the invention of the chimney, which I think is sort of like in the 15th century, if memory serves me correctly, um, you know, you just kind of had a hearth in the middle of the house, uh, which is a great way to keep things warm. Um, and you just kind of like have a little, uh, you just poke a little hole in your ceiling and there you go. Bada bing, bada boom, you're done. Um, so obviously <laughs> with chimneys, you're going to have those off to the side against a wall. So um, there's a couple things that need to happen. First, you need to close the roof hole. If you've got an mm-hmm. extant one. And the second place, you gotta, you've got to build a new hole in your roof and put a chimney through it, right? And do all these things. Um, luckily, that's not too hard um, in terms of how these things work out. So it's like you just kind of start building your flue, uh, so your fireplace over um, wherever it is you're going to put it. And then you make the chimney go up and then you kind of just kind of saw out from there mm-hmm. uh, because since it's going to be off to the side it's not it's not as likely to kind of like be hitting anything too particularly structural that you can't prop up um so that happens now we don't have tons of um, examples of this but i have seen one uh down in alfriston in in sussex uh there is a great 14th century house and it's got the original it's got the original kind of like middle of the the house fire and then they eventually put a fireplace in off to the side so you can kind of have a look at both uh but obviously that transition from the 14th to 15th centuries it's not that likely that the average house kind of stands still so you're mostly talking about palaces and things like that so you're gonna have really skilled craftsmen who are able to do it uh mm. but yeah it's it uh, modifications need to happen in order to get them through but everyone kind of agrees it's a good idea because uh it's much nicer for breathing so yeah <laughs> chimneys good you know you didn't get the black lung just from uh, mm. hanging out inside the house. Yeah, real talk. Well, I mean, that this is the thing. Like, we we know that their lungs were actually probably kind of shoddy because they were just sort of oh, sit, yeah. sitting around with soot all the time. You know, <laughs> soot, soot, and animals just Ooh. hanging out, just mm-hmm. just shit everywhere, literally and figuratively. Yep. Uh, the Empress Mall chat on my lawn. Thank you so much for the question. If you'd like to ask us questions like this that we will answer on the show, then please do subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash WNSDpod. You will find uh, all of the regular episodes, ad-free bonus episodes, um, like uh, the second episode of our book club series on Dante's Inferno, which will be coming out, uh, well, since this is coming out Friday morning, it'll be coming out Friday afternoon, so it'll come out in a few hours, uh, or, you know, whenever you get around to it. <laughs> but either way, they're there, $5 a month, check it out, we would really appreciate it. One real quick uh, note of podcast business before you move on. You might have noticed that uh, we got some new show artwork today. uh, And that is because we went out and commissioned and got some real cover art and uh, banner art done for the podcast. uh, You know, so that we could uh, look presentable and look like a real show instead of uh, just having something I did on my phone. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, great. It's by uh, my friend Jen, who uh, goes by at Boznonk on Twitter. That's at B-O-W-S-N-O-N-K. And she did some great work uh, based on the uh, really kind of, uh, you know, disjointed descriptions I gave of what I saw in my head and what I kind of wanted for the, the cover art. And she did a great job. And we even got a little uh, dragon guy out of it. And that's really awesome, too. So uh, thank you so much, Jen. And uh, we hope you really like the cover art. We're going to start up a store soon so you can uh, get a shirt or stickers or stuff like that uh and uh 
proudly proclaim uh, the name of your favorite podcast. So yeah, uh, just check that out. Check out uh, Jen if you have commissions that you uh, want done. And uh, again, her her name is at Boznonk on Twitter, B-O-W-S-N-O-N-K. Thanks so much, Jen, for the artwork, and we hope y'all really like it. Now on to the main show. So last time we talked about how people in the Middle Ages related themselves to the wider universe, a.k.a. the macrocosm, how the universe began, the layout of the universe and their place within it, those sorts of things. This time we're going to talk about the medieval view of the human body, a.k.a. the microcosm, specifically the idea um, that there is a distinct structural similarity that exists between the macrocosm of the universe and the microcosm of the human body. However, this concept wasn't newly developed by the people of the Middle Ages, but actually originated far earlier, tracing its roots all the way back to the early civilizations of Mesopotamia and ancient Chinese philosophy. Uh, Later, the macrocosm-microcosm analogy was adopted and extensively written about by Greek thinkers, beginning with Anaximander around the 7th century BC and Plato a couple centuries later. And as we all know, any surviving work by Plato was going to be voraciously consumed during the Middle Ages as they were obsessed with his most famous student, Aristotle, who actually coined the term microcosm, despite having a different view on the microcosm-macrocosm connection. But, you know, that's not here. That's neither here nor there. Uh, However, the analogy's uh, medieval popularity wasn't solely limited to Christians, as it was heavily written about and considered by Jewish and Muslim scholars of the day. Like most ideas of the era, it developed, uh, of the era, it developed syncretically, with major religions taking the old idea of a direct link between the cosmos and the human self and adding their own theological underpinnings to it. After all, if God created man in His own image, on his, in His own image, and He created the universe out of nothing as a home for man, then it would stand to reason that God imbued them both with the same perfect divine architecture. As above, so below. Fast forward to the present, and we now know uh, that the universe came into being through the Big Bang, and humans evolved uh, after an upjump fish with legs decided to walk on land. Uh, but there was a little bit of truth in the wider legend of the microcosm macrocosm analogy. After all, despite taking uh, vastly different forms, we humans are all composed of the same elements uh, that were birthed from the Big Bang and the deaths of uncountable stars. It is cliche to say nowadays that we, uh, but we are all made of stars in a very real way, and thus the macrocosm microcosm analogy lives on within us, albeit in a very altered and uh, desacralized form. Uh, but yeah, today we'll wrap up these three loosely connected episodes that started with us talking about how medieval humans saw the world through maps, then how they viewed the universe, and finally how they view themselves as compared to the universe. So let's get to it. Eleanor, before uh, we get to the actual analogy itself, did I miss anything about uh, how the medieval mind arrived at this idea? Uh, no, you, you've really kind of summed it up very well. But I guess the, the thing to do here is sort of pinpoint that there's a reason why there is this like grand kind of tradition uh, of talking about the microcosm macrocosm analogy and it had really been about quite for a long time um you know you'll find it as easily within the muslim tradition as you will the christian traditions or the jewish traditions it's happening over in china everybody's doing it it's the thing to do right 
Um, so here for us, this doesn't always necessarily make sense. Um, so what you need to understand is that the microcosm, macrocosm analogy, just like Luke said, it means that there is a structural similarity between the human being, which is the microcosm. And so microcosm here means small order or little universe. Uh, alternatively, if you're if you want to go specifically with the the universe analogy there, um, and then the cosmos as a whole, which is the great order or the great universe. Okay, uh, so basically, if something is true about the nature of the universe as a whole, uh, it is also going to be true about human nature, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So you can see the universe reflected in humans, and the humans reflected in the universe, right? Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if again, we, we do the things like, oh, well, we're composed of the same things. It's like, yeah, you can kind of look, roughly see similar mm-hmm. stuff around. And this makes sense for medieval people because, you know, well, what do you see around you? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that, you know, it was taught to me, you know, is that, you know, the, you know, God made humans, God made the universe, you know, like and uh, you know, they were um you know, they were perfect in their creation and per- perfect mm. in their doing. And, and, you know, so there is like a, um, uh, you know, even if maybe they have now lost the idea of like a structural similarity, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, ad- we don't adhere to the sphere analogies and stuff like yeah. that anymore, but there's still the spiritual aspect of it. You know, spiritually, if you believe God made the universe and God made you, you know, like, it, and, mm-hmm. and God is infallible or perfect or, you know, however you arrive at that, it is, um, you know, stands to reason that they, that, that, uh, both, both would have been made perfect at least, uh, originally. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, that is, uh, I think I think there's comfort for people in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I think that it's it's a kind of logical way of ordering things. You know, mm-hmm. if if what you're attempting to do is make sense of your place in a universe, and if we are accepting that the universe is this really ordered thing made by a particular divine creator, then it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So was was there more of a scriptural or theological basis for this analogy outside of man being made in God's image and God making the universe? Yeah, so I mean, really, a lot of this comes, as you've already said, from actually ancient philosophy hey uh, but, but, but the way we like but we but uh, like surprise surprise medieval people uh retrofitting ancient philosophy to put some christianity on top it's more likely than you think right so uh yeah. <laughs> like so basically um where this really starts out in terms of how medieval people talk about is with plato okay mm-hmm. so um this is in his Timaeus, right? And so basically he's like, the way that we need to think about the cosmos as a whole is that it itself is alive um, and the cosmos has a mind or soul. So, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that, so it is a kind of an analogy for humans then. So what he wrote about it was this, which is, thus then, in accordance with the likely account, we must declare that this cosmos has verily come into existence as a living creature endowed with soul and reason. A living creature, one and visible, containing within itself all the living creatures which are by nature akin to itself. Um, so... It's kind of like the universe itself contains lots of little guys that are like it. So, you know, think of yourself maybe as a blood cell to the living cosmos, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like there's lots more little guys just like it inside it. And 
humans are a part of this, but like so is, you know, deer and fish and frogs. And, you know, every little guy, that's like the universe mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, the universe contains multitudes. Right. So this is mm-hmm. uh, Plato sort of thing. Uh, now, the thing about this is he also kind of argues for this having um, a demiurge. Uh, so a demiurge is essentially, we talked about this a little bit last time, an artisan figure who's responsible for making the physical universe. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so the the physical universe, which is a guy that we are all within, there was like a, something that went flick and makes the demiurge and then the demiurge is the, the physical universe right and as, mm-hmm. as you can understand that's pretty easy to subsume into christianity right like mm-hmm. oh a guy made the universe yeah we've got a guy okay but the demiurge or like fashioner or artisan or wh- whatever you want to call it um isn't really the same thing as an abrahamic god uh because basically get this the demiurge needs to be thought of as a material form that the demiurge fashions the universe out of and they're so basically they're the consequences of something else so there's something Mm. before the demiurge so for us the demiurge is kind of for like an abrahamic person the demiurge is much more like that just is god Mm -hmm. but within the kind of platonic way of thinking about this that something else made that right now having said that there are a lot of systems and ways of like getting around this right so as uh, some people think that it's you know the there's the demiurge is a consequence of something else uh, but some other people are like okay well no like the demiurge is eternal and it's mm-hmm. not like it's not necessarily created it's just there right or a byproduct mm-hmm. of something else right um and so basically plato has got this idea that there is above the demiurge a kind of god that he kind of calls the source or the monad or the one um and that's the (laughs) thing that manifests the demiurge so that's a little bit closer to our conception of god Mm -hmm. then right yeah um now um within the ancient world then there is some kind of pushback against this for example stoics think that uh the demiurge is all that there is like that's the only force in the universe there is no right. there's there's no source outside that okay so everyone because everyone is essentially kind of like aristotelian or neoplatonist in the medieval period like like basically if you're an abrahamic guy you're like yep absolutely like this kind of gets taken on board so for um in arabic this is like the concept of the microcosm is called alam sakir probably butcher that um in hebrew in hebrew it is um olam katan and then the latin is microcosmos or sometimes minor mundus so like little earth Mm -hmm. which i like uh (laughs) and so all these guys went yeah okay that but you can just kind of take the creation story and slap it on there's like bang there you go right yeah so there's no there isn't a demiurge there's simply the abrahamic god who is then making the universe right and so this makes perfect sense in terms of a theological argument for this because you know you have you know god wakes up makes you know the he separates the water like makes the crystal and spheres then he's like hey how about some birds and fish and then eventually he gets down to humans so humans are being made by the same person out of the same materials in a particular mode that is like this is what it's creation time now baby and this is what's <laughs> happening right so it makes sense there to have man as a small version of the universe because he is a thing that is created in the same kind of uh, burst of creative energy, 
on on the part of God, right? I, mm-hmm. I think we can say that. <laughs> so 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 <laughs> yeah. that's kind of like what what they mean, right? Yeah. 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 Cool. So um so getting to the analogy itself, how mm. do the zones or circles of the universe correspond to those within the human body? Okay. All right. So I'm getting a lot of this uh, from uh, my man, Godfrey of Saint-Victor. Okay. Um, now, the reason I've gone to Godfrey for this um, is he's, surprise, surprise, a 12th century guy. Shout out to the 12th century Renaissance. Got to be one of my favorite Renaissances. Um and he wrote a book called Microcosmos. Hey, like, thanks. Thanks. That's really helpful for me. That was that was easy. Yep. Yeah, good. This shit easy. Um, so basically, um, it's he's just like, let me tell you how to at, like analyze classical philosophy and the church fathers. Right. And in, in order to mm. make sense of this. So we're just doing it. I'm writing it down. Let's go. Right. So <laughs> uh, men are a microcosm. And, you know, I'm saying man here. Obviously, I mean humans, but they're always writing about men because everybody's mm. sexist out here. So I'm just saying man because um, I'm part of the problem. Anyway, uh, so, so, <laughs> so man's a microcosm, right? Um, and he contains in himself uh, the same material and spiritual elements of reality that the universe does. So mm. the universe isn't just material. It's also spiritual, um, which is the same idea as like, you know, the Demiurge, right? So mm-hmm. basically he is like, so that's true, but we need like a systematic history of how humans in the universe work in like a comprehensive structure. So this is just, you know, like classic uh, medieval desire to create a system. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. this is, this is just what medieval academics do. So he's going for it. So basically he says, well, you can take like the biblical framework and the symbology and symbolism within that. Um, and then that will help you understand like the physical and psychological and ethical aspects of man, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. you can take all of that biblical imagery, slap it on top of Platonism, and then you'll make sense. So basically, man has what he kind of calls a matter-spirit unity, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the, the spirit, <laughs> his spirit and his physical form are joined in one thing, and that's, and that's what a man is right um mm-hmm. this is you know you will see this all the time um so for example in modern philosophy uh, deliza guitari right about this spinoza writes about this uh shout out to justin who's going to be pumping his fist in the air because he won't fucking stop talking to me about spinoza i don't know what's happening <laughs> just don't it, it's a lot it's like the two academic <laughs> household is is a, a difficult thing anyway um <laughs> so spinoza will write about this later uh and basically so the idea is that you can't really di- you can't divide matter and spirit in in terms mm-hmm. of humans or the universe like a- everything is everything all at once right so humans have kind of a basic goodness of nature and humans are basically good but Human nature and also human matter as a result of it has been weakened or fractured a little bit because of sin. Mm. All right. So this is a little less Spinoza. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so basically um, we would be divine like the universe. We would be divine like angelic except for sin happened. And so that means that we have been kind of intrinsically corrupted. And that and that's irreparable, unfortunately. So we do reflect the universe, but in a weakened state as a result of the extents of sin. Okay. Mm. Um, and so here he goes off on talking about um, also the four classical elements, right? So there's the four classical mm. elements, which, you know, make up the universe plus the fifth element out there 
in the crystalline spheres mm-hmm. that we don't get to know about. Okay, uh, so the <laughs> classical elements being earth, water, air, and fire. Okay, these he then um, also says have to do with kind of like our senses. So he says that earth corresponds to sensuality, water to the imagination, air to reason, and fire to intelligence. So mm-hmm. we have all these elements within us, and they also correspond to you know these uh, aspects of ourselves. Um, we also have four corresponding principal capabilities. Uh, so it is sensation, which is bound up to earth and sensuality, imagination bound up to water and imagination again, double imagination. And then it's the same things, reasoning and intelligence. So it's basically sensation, sensuality is the only one that differs, but then it's like water, imagination, mm. air, reason, fire, intelligence. So, <laughs> uh, man has, then an analytic kind of reason and power of insight um, that have kind of like need to be expressed through natural philosophy and philosophy more, more general. Like this is a natural desire within men to kind of like make sense of the universe and understand the universe because we are the universe and our intelligence and reason drives us towards doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also on top of that, uh, in order for us to find supernatural fulfillment, we need love, which is part of the spiritual thing. And so part of that is kind of divine love, the love that we experience, um, in a religious mm. sense with, um, the greater, uh, but also with our fellow. So there, there is the, this love element that is kind of part of the animating part of humanity and also exists within the universe more generally, uh, where it kind of drifts towards the good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because we're sinful, we need divine intervention to, like, give us uh, what he calls uh, the perfective graces, uh, which are the gifts of enlightenment, affectivity, and perseverance. So in order to find out about love, we need God to then just be like, okay, well, stop being an idiot. <laughs> here, like, here's how you can kind of be effective in the world, and here's how you can persevere to understand the universe, right? Mm-hmm. so that's all that um now um, i've got some choice pictures which i'm going to try to explain which is like oof. uh but um, i've got a really uh, good one uh from that that's actually kind of 17th century um that shows uh the macrocosm and the microcosm so the microcosm is you know the kind of like innermost things before you get to the planets before you get to the moon and everything and so that's like your your spheres of fire water earth and air um and it's also got a little naked guy right so it's it's a microcosm here so it's like the sun counts there we go here we go um and so you need to understand that men are then made up of you know the four classical elements but this also you know refers to the four elements and everything and Part of understanding how this works is you need to understand the fact that humans stand on two feet. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let me write this down. Hold on. Yeah, this is it, this is a fun thing, um, which I think is often referred to as a verticality. Okay. So, right. So you have to understand the human body and in within the environment that it exists in. Right. So you've got uh, we have a vertical stance and we stand on two legs. Right. So. We are being pulled down along what is called the axis mundi. Okay. Mm. So the axis of the earth is always kind of pulling us down, but we're always standing on top of a solid surface of some kind, which is earth, right? That's the first element. Remember, it's the heaviest part of the universe because earth is made of earth. You'll remember Mm. that. So we're always standing on that, right? Earth itself encompasses all solid matter, 
Okay. And all solid matter is always being pulled down towards the ground, like our bodies. Huh? Huh? Mm. Right? Mm. Okay. You know, like, which is a kind of a way of talking about gravity without an idea of gravity, right? So, yep. Earth, therefore, then represents kind of the surface world that humans exist on. Okay. Above that, you've got air. Uh, and air is always going to be existing above Earth. Um, now, air is what is uh, likened to reason and stuff like that. So it's kind of the stuff like around our head. It's what allows us to do thinking, right? Mm-hmm. It does. It is not being pulled towards Earth, right? And you can think about air as being kind of like anti-Earth because it hmm. occupies a space above the surface as well as above our heads. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and air is representative of the sky. Uh, which is what we're all kind of trying to seek through verticality. So like our desire to kind of stand up means that we're trying to kind of access the space of air, which is the space of reason, right? Um, Now, then there's all the stuff that goes on in our physical environment around us, okay? And those are the elements of life. So uh, these are things that are kind of based on movement and dynamism and moving around, right? And they're diametrically opposed to the axis mundi. So axis mundi kind of like goes up and down through the Mm -hmm. earth. One of these is water. Okay. So water uh, pairs with earth because it's the essence of life. Um, and it's always flowing downward onto the surface of the earth, right? Like that's the thing that it does. So it's kind of drawn to the earth like us. Yeah. And over time, its movement is what makes the earth into mountains and valleys and canyons and topographic forms. And that's why it is connected to uh, imagination, right? Because hmm. it, cre- it creates forms um, out of earth, right? So, um so earth and water are always going to be kind of bl- either below us or headed to below us. That's what water is trying to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So then the fourth element is fire. And fire is kind of like the element of death and destruction because it consumes life and it can kill us, but it's paired with air uh, because flames go upward and they go into the same space as air. So mm. like flames and smoke and everything rise up into the airspace. Now, Fire can be destructive, but it's also the thing that kind of separates humans from animals, uh, which is Mm -hmm. why it's often paired with intelligence, because being able to use fire and being able to kind of like uh, encase it is one of the things that makes humans humans. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there you go. So uh, water and fire, uh, kind of like earth and air are diametrically opposed along the axis Monday. Right. So Mm -hmm. those are. Yeah. Um, so water represents downward movement and fire represents upward movement. Uh, water hmm. is the essence of life. Fire destroys life. Um, and they can also cancel each other out because water can extinguish fire. Um, too many f- and too much fire will dry up water. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That's how humans like human standing. Uh, like the, these are, this is part of how you kind of have to consider us. So it's like our feet are on the ground, but our head is in the clouds, which is what gives us imagination. And this is kind of like how we work, right? Mm-hmm. More than this, you then have how everything kind of then in the universe relates to uh, the body itself. Um, so mm-hmm. for this, you know, we've got the the planets that exist, which we talked about last time, which are the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Mm-hmm. All of these things then correspond to an organ. So stay with me. There's a lot of cra- like this makes all, medieval people are like nodding like yes, Eleanor makes perfect sense. And I'm like that's right. Okay, so uh, it, it gets to the organs she's about to mention. Like at least two of these I would have never thought to include in my like 
in my life ever. <laughs> go, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, like, fly- yeah. So like medieval people, like oh yeah, the gallbladder is super important. Yeah, like, you get that taken out for free these days. What are you talking? It's about? yeah, yeah. Like okay, so unsurprisingly, the sun's the heart. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Right. Like uh, most important, moving warmth through you, no doubt. Mm-hmm, uh, the moon mm-hmm. is the brain. Um, like watery things, you know, imagination Ooh. things, <laughs> things of this matter. You know, um, they're calling you a water brain. That's like. right. <laughs> they're, they're, they're making fun of encephalitis. Um, yep. Mercury is the lungs. Uh, Venus is the kidneys, which I always find fucking weird. I'm just like, okay, like not like. Okay. Anyway, uh, Mars is the gallbladder, which is funny because I think that that is like um, linked to sort of like bile and being angry, right? So Mars. Hmm. Uh, Jupiter is linked to the liver and Saturn to the spleen. Okay. Now, but wait, there's more, right? Because also within, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that wasn't enough. That wasn't, I know, right? Like I'm... (laughs) I'm taking us on a fucking journey today. No, right. you are. It's great. Like, I just, like, some of the stuff I get, heart, you know, heart is the sun. Got it. Yeah. Moon is the brain. Sure. Got it. Like, Split, well, Saturn, Venus is the kidneys? Yeah, like? I, I, I can go with you on that one. I'm sort of like, why? Like, I, I mean, if you were like, it's the dong, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, word. Like, if it was like reproductive yeah. organs or something, I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um... So there's all of that. But then also, all of these things are also linked to the Zodiac. Uh, <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Astrology. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. So because we've also got to fucking keep the crystalline sphere in here, right? We need that. I yep, need the fixed yep. firmament. What the fuck is going on with my body, right? Okay. So there mm-hmm. are primary associations for all of the uh, astrological signs with the body. So um, Aries is the head. Um, okay. but it also, this also means like eyes, um, a, your adrenal system and blood pressure is Aries. Okay. <laughs> like pressure, that's, yeah. yeah, I know. Cause the brain regulates that, I guess. Question mark. Um, fine. <laughs> uh, Taurus that's is the, awesome. uh, Taurus is the neck. So this is their throat, shoulders, and ears are along with that. Uh, but Gemini is more particularly the shoulders. So it just depends on what's going on with you. Uh, but this includes uh, your lungs, your nerves, your arms, and your fingers. So it's basically like things kind of going out from your shoulders, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like the torso is up and Gemini's out. Uh, cancer, we're the chest, uh, which includes boobs. Pachow. That's you're welcome. Nice. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the sides as well, um, and bodily fluids and organs. Uh, like I like it's just the sides. The sides. The sides. The sides. Yeah. Just you know whatever you got over there, you know, just the sides. Cub gutters. Uh, yeah, muffin tops, exactly. Whatever you got, let's go. Yeah. So, but Leo also kind of gets the sides, but it's more particularly. <laughs> it's more particularly linked to like what's going on in there so leo is like your stomach your heart your spine uh your upper your spleen again a lot of spleen mm-hmm. thinking but like up upper back and stuff um yeah then virgo's the belly so this yeah, is like virgo woo yeah, yeah. Ab, you know abdomen baby intestines <laughs> gallbladder your pancreas your liver things of this nature um <laughs> libra got the ass uh libra's got the buttocks uh which kind of includes the hips, the lower back, uh, kidneys, and endocrine system. I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, there yeah. are worse things to get. Good for you, Libra. Love a nice buttocks. Um, as any Scorpio would tell you, they get the junk. They get genitals. 
there's never been a group of people who are more proud of being their sign than Scorpios. And then they immediately mention sexiness to you. That's what all Scorpios do. This is a science. Mm. So there you go. Um, so they're, they're the junk, but this also includes like the pelvis, uh, your bladder, um, and your rectum. Okay. Uh, Sagittarius thighs. All right. Ooh. Legs, hips, and groins. That's Sag. All right. We we love we love uh, some legs. Never skip leg day, everybody. Mm-hmm. Love yeah, love thighs. Yeah, mm-hmm. thick thighs save lives or whatever. That's yep. right. That's right. Um, Capricorn has the knees. <laughs> it's like out. Uh, so that's like your shins, uh, your bones, <laughs> but also like skin and sinew and nerve. That like this is all kind of linked to Capricorn. Um, Aquarius has the lower legs, so like your ag- your ankle and calf and some blood vessels, and then Pisces gets the feet. So the feedies, the feedies, because they're like two little fishies down there, like two little fishies. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so this is also connected to the Zodiac man, uh, which I realized I didn't put a picture of in here, but uh, I'm going to do that immediately just so Luke can see what I'm talking about. So um, one of the really principal uh, kind of art motifs that you find in a lot of uh, medieval manuscripts are Zodiac men. And so a Zodiac man does a couple of things. It helps you to kind of remind you about when it is you can do certain things, uh, like at certain phases of the moon and like what these things are connected to. Um, And they also act as kind of like a thing for physicians to show their patients. They'll be like, see here on the man. That's why I can or cannot do this right now. Um, so one of the big things that kind of happens with uh, in ideas of uh, of like you know zodiac man, it's like okay, so your our body is reflecting the cosmos around us. Um, mm-hmm. And to be clear, this was present in ancient medicine as well. This is not just um, a medieval thing at all. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it's like you need to kind of like avoid interfering with a body part when the moon is in its corresponding sign, right? Um, mm. so like basically you can't, you can't go fucking with someone's feet when the moon is in Pisces, right? Because it would just be dangerous. Um, nope. so can't be a foot guy while the moon's in Pisces. I don't want to see you asking for feet pics. Exactly. No, in not in Pisces, baby. Absolutely not. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, these things are all kind of set up with their own humor and their own element. Right. You know, uh, mm. so um, basically you need to balance these things out, but you can't do it like in, in the wrong part of the moon. Right. So, uh, mm. you need to wait for the moon to be in its correct positioning and you need, and that's just it. So sometimes you need to wait. Right. Um, yeah. so you need to calculate the moon's position, which you usually do using a volvel, which is a, another really cool kind of instrument that where it just kind of shows where the moon is. It's really neat. Um, so this, it helps you determine what is going on with people, but also it's like a reminder thereof. So this is Mm. one of the best ways to, in my opinion, kind of understand the idea of the microcosm, because it's like, by the time you're like, oh yeah, yeah. Like your body parts correspond to zodiological symbols. It's like, oh, okay. Right. So (laughs) everything, everything has a real true correspondence in the heavens. And, you know, this reflects all of that right mm-hmm. um so yeah that is the quickest way that i can do all of that uh but then i wanted to spend just a couple minutes talking about alchemy <laughs> yeah alchemy we're gonna get uh we're gonna yeah. turn lead into gold we're gonna yeah. create the alchemical rebus um that's right fuck i'm trying to remember what else i know about alchemy monad there we go let's mm. go yeah so it's like okay <laughs> you, you know all of the the divine parts of the universe uh exist in harmony in the human body but they're also mm. around on earth 
Right. Right. So um, this means that uh, there are connections between the various planets and various uh, metals. Mm-hmm. So um, get ready for it. I'm going to hit you with some. I'm going to hit you with them all. Um, Saturn is lead. Uh, Jupiter is tin. <laughs> Mars is iron. Absolutely no respect for Jupiter. Jupiter has spent tin four million years <laughs> catching every fucking asteroid that comes near us, except for like a hundred, and we give him ten. Tin and fucking ungrateful best. Tin and the liver. Tin and the liver. When you, if, if if Jupiter's associated with the liver, wouldn't you give Jupiter iron? Anyway. It, uh, uh. Exactly. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. This is this is the <laughs> this is the primary problem with alchemy. Uh, yes. Yeah. This, this right here. We finally, after all these years, figured out the one thing that was wrong with alchemy. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, I iron is Mars. Uh, you know, war, things of this nature. I don't know. Um, Makes sense. And then the sun is gold. That's not a surprise. Nope. Yeah. Uh, Venus is copper. Okay. Uh, Surprise, Mercury is Mercury. <laughs> or or Quicksilver, if you want. But, right? Oh, yeah. Huh? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And the moon is silver. Um, and so kind of like you need to think about these things like the days which all of those planets rule. Uh, you know, if you're going to be doing um, alchemical things mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but, you know, the kind of the point of alchemy like within this is that like, well, you know, if all these things are within the universe and they can kind of be structured in a particularized way and you can move things around in order to create other elements. And it's kind of about uh, attempting to harness that. Um, mm. I don't know. We should probably just do a full fucking alchemy, full metal we alchemist really uh, kind of deal, uh, really, because there's a lot to say about that. But I think it's necessary to mention it when you're talking about the microcosm, because certainly human are, humans are a reflection of the microcosm, but so is everything. Right. So it, it, it's, all, it's all kind of like part of this same ideal where everything is connected to everything and you need to understand and situate the place of the human within the universe and like just on the earth in order to understand that. Right. So mm. basically it breaks down to God has a plan for all these things. It's incredibly complex, uh, but everything is happening at all. Everything happens so much. That's... <laughs> That's basically at it. Every, everything uh, everywhere all at once. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's all happening. All of it uh, collectively. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think it's a really cool idea. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think mostly I just really like the pictures as well. But it's it, I suppose that we had to kind of go down this route because it's almost impossible to, if you're really talking about the way that medieval people think, you can't talk about the universe without talking about the mm-hmm. microcosm because it, it doesn't make any sense right yeah yeah it's uh i think it's interesting just uh from like the philosophical perspective um of it because i uh i don't know i like the um i don't know i like i i you know i just like that that you know they were like oh yeah definitely uh you know it's um you know that mm. god made the universe god made me the earth is the center of everything obviously like you know it's just like it's like a like 
geocentric view of everything that I find like very interesting because you know like they didn't know any better so they're just like yeah we're here we're in the middle no one else is like you know we don't see anything else out there you know that looks like us yeah like I I just I think that's very interesting yeah I I like it I think it's really um I think it's quite uh complex and savvy um and it it makes sense as a system just because it's not real doesn't mean it doesn't make sense right Mm -hmm. and I, I suppose this is why it prevailed for so many thousands of years right there's there's a reason why this makes sense and it's pleasing to think about and you know it's a nice way of kind of like ordering the world and thinking about stuff for sure uh is it real no is it fun yes yes Yes, absolutely so whatever yeah exactly yeah like you know you get uh you get all the fun stuff you get uh you get to throw in some astrology here you get to throw Mm -hmm. in some alchemy you know it's like uh it's all the you know it's all the all, all the greatest hits of like uh, fun medieval stuff that you know that we now understand completely differently and to be you know not mm. mean what it says, but at the same time you know who gives a shit? Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Whatever. Like we we can just like it because it's fun, and that's that's mm-hmm. all right. You know, that's absolutely mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, yeah, I think that's about going to do it for uh, the microcosm macrocosm uh, analogy. Next time, uh, oh, we might be back with, uh, we might start a series on the Hundred Years' War. Yeah. We will, uh, <laughs> we will, we will see, uh, you know, that's going to be a big one. We've talked about it a bunch. Uh, pretty 14th important. century air horns. Bow, bow, yep. bow. Spun off the War of the Roses. You know, all that good stuff. We'll mm-hmm. talk about it. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we'll start. In the meantime, um, Eleanor, would you please tell the good people where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Going Medieval. Still here, bitches. That's I, right. I don't know why. There it is. Um, where else uh, am I going to advertise this shit? Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I'm over on my blog, going-medieval.com. And please buy my book, The One and Future Sex. Thank you. Yep. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Luke is amazing. You can find my old show, People's History of the Old Republic. It's about Star Wars. Uh, you can find it wherever you listen to this. Uh, yeah. Um, in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to us. And we'll see you next time. Bye.